0: hello and welcome to So Farscape a
1: fun-filled farscape fan cast by a fervent fan and a fresh-faced first timer. I'm Kaki, I'm Kay and this, this is, is the, the story So Farscape. So the story So Farscape involves uh, a, a scientist jock, John Crichton. John your- Crichton,
0: yes, who has been uh, travelled through a wormhole in time and space to a strange part of the galaxy, now on board the living ship Moya, along with some weird alien companions. The biomechanoid
1: Leviathan we hear Moya. That, we hear that word a lot in this episode, biomechanoid. Yep, really emphasising, hey, uh, it's a biomechanoid. We have, uh, uh, we have the lovely Zan She's, uh, she's beautiful and blue. The fierce Tentacles, who is mostly red.
0: He, he tries yes, to, he, he, no, you're occasionally right. he wears his space pajamas and he's wearing black, but oh, most of the time he's, he's just wearing his... silk black-y, I yes. love it so much. Dargo green or black? Well, the
1: black, of course. And then we've got Cretinous Rigel. Who dresses in uh, in great finery because he is the dominar of over six hundred right. billion hynerians and flippant Aaron, <laughs> flippant yes. Aaron, nothing like that. Okay. I mean, that's... you're getting closer to giving her a nickname. I guess so. Yeah. Actually, have you come up with anything better for for uh, for Zan? Because I no. thought the last one stuck on Misty Blue, yeah. and I think no. I mean, you're great at nicknames, but I think well, that one's
0: a little bit. I don't know, space dots. No, that's not going to work either. Space dots. Why I mean, she's, space she's, she's Dots? she's got all those beautiful little patterned dots oh, on her, uh, on yeah, her skin and everything.
1: The pattern of her, her makeup is so gorgeous. I wonder
0: if they had it did that, if they used a template for that or just
1: if they had like those vinyl slap-ons or... I don't know a whole lot about makeup, but I have seen a fair number of like science fiction behind the scenes yeah. ones where you get like four and a half seconds out of the like two and a half hours that of makeup that someone go yeah. t- goes through. And there's a lot of like stencil... Uh, no, what is it called? You make like a stamp. Out of, you right. take a sponge and you cut it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's stamping. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So because she has the sort of pattern of diamond shaped spots on her on her forehead yeah. between the between the eyebrows that sort of fades out. So we sort of imagine that someone would have cut a cut a stamp. I know that for Mystique, they used a lot of prosthetics as well, which were just basically. From from the X-Men?
0: Yes. Ah, yeah. Uh, that they used to just overlay. But she, of course, had lots of ridges and protrusions as well, which needed to be she included had very textured in her, skin, in her, yeah. in her yeah, scales almost
1: occasionally. So that had to be included. So I know that was, a lot of that was yeah. just slap on. Uh, I imagine that it was it was even harder on, on Dargo, who has so much latex on his, on his face. Oh, yes. It's not my face they are afraid of, Dargo. Mm, do it to my face, there so we will see me standing... Oh God! What would be real? It's just his eyes and his fingertips and his mouth. I guess. With anything, but all the mouth covered the by moustache. His lips are definitely his own. I mean, that's very oh, clear. Oh, that's to right. See so too. he's got eyes, yeah. lips, and fingertips. And really, what more do you need to have a good time? Well, with your prosthetics on, <laughs> <laughs> your, your makeup <laughs> prosthetics. Like and of course, we have Pilot, who is uh, bonded with the Leviathan. And of course, we have Moya herself. I mean, she's also a character on the she's show. She's a biomechanoid character. She's their, uh, their mother and their, uh, their partner, their partner, their horse. And their horse. Yes, we get a new <laughs> metaphor. Gosh, hey, so this is episode 10. We've had a lot of adventures so far, but I don't think that we've had a show that was... Well, okay. We've had an episode before that was entirely set on the ship. That was with... Yep. Uh, uh, the drag queen. Yeah, exactly. But they've always had an enemy or even multiple enemies. Mm-hmm. And this time, there was no one. Like, the no, only characters no, not, that, yeah. uh, uh, that really feature um, are the core characters. They don't have anyone external. Not actually there, no. So, before we get into the episode, what's been your favorite villain so far? Once you read the supervillain's handbook, this is where you're supposed to twirl your mustache and gloat. Because all the episodes have
0: had, like, a villain. I mean, last week's episode was not. Nice. He was. He was all right. But in a vi- in a villainous way, I think my, my my favorite villain so far is still Captain
1: Organa, uh, Captain Cray, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, played by the dreamy Lani Tupu. Yes. Yeah. yeah, whom whom we haven't really seen that much of. Like we saw him in the in the first episode. He was established as the as the as the villain, yeah. and then he came back in that old black magic episode, right. eight, which had uh, a rigid- weak, which actually had a weak villain.
0: I'm getting tired of appetizers. It's time
1: to dine. <laughs> Is that supposed to motivate me? No. You're right, because that was Maldis and we weren't fans of his.
0: And that episode did a lot of uh, character development for... For uh, yeah. We learned about his backstory as a,
1: a rural, I guess, Sebastian who was conscripted as a child. Which was
0: interesting compared to something that uh, Aaron uh, told us this episode, that they're born and bred upon ships. Yeah, uh, So that's right? a little bit of an, uh, a discontinuity there. So I was wondering how exactly that happened.
1: Well, I mean, this episode does a lot to fill in other characters' backstory, uh, in, in particular uh, uh, Dargo, and I yeah. think also Moya. So this week's episode of Farscape that we're discussing here is episode uh, uh, 10 of season one, titled They've Got a Secret, although in my uh, uh, on my file here it's called They Have Got a Secret and I appreciate that there's no contractions there.
0: Right. I mean, the biggest secret here is not uh, them, but either dargo or moya i guess
1: they both have a secret so that it, then it still becomes appropriate to the title i i kind of would like to sort of emphasize that i did say contraction here because that is going to come back up later and this uh. was written No, this is, it'll come up organically i'm sure written by sally lapidas who also did iet the second uh-huh. episode those are her only two credits on right. uh, on farscape and it's the directorial debut of ian watson uh, who's going to come up uh, in a few more episodes in the future? Okay. First aired on Friday, the 25th of June, 1999. It's stepping into the far back machine. No, oh, we, yes. We time, it. time and space. No, no look, uh, the wormhole does the time, and then your far back machine does the, does the space. The, well, the so, other way around. Oh. So,
0: what we have another series that aired uh, around the same time as uh, that Farscape started Ooh, was yes. called Seven Days. <gasps> uh, and, it oh. was, and also a series in which a man gets into a strange apparatus. Yes. And in this case gets flung not through space, but through time.
1: Movement and speed through space becomes movement through time. Einstein again, 1905. Yes. You know the you know the series? I did Kay. This podcast came very close to being about seven days. I came <laughs> nice. very close to to petitioning you to watch Seven Days with me because ah. yes, uh, I I think it's I think it's fantastic. I mean I've 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 seen at least the first season of it, so we wouldn't be able
0: to do the same thing as we're doing with this podcast. Oh, it. with
1: your, your complete virginal right. innocence. Yes. No, I I get you. Oh, seven days. Um, I forget what the the name of the actor was who played the uh, uh, the protagonist. But yeah, like he's he operates this this module that allows him to travel back in time. Yes, seven seven days exactly, and only and only exactly seven
0: days. He's yep. selected for it because apparently he has a very high pain, pain tolerance. tolerance. It's yep. called the Backstep Project, and he has to uh, yeah. Whenever there's a Something has occurred during the next seven days that needs to be undone. He gets put into the machine and he has to yep. he has to p- ride the needle. He has to keep it right there in the center because apparently, well, as you're traveling through time and space, Earth moves, you get of course. Jolted. So you have to move. Uh, you have to like steer the craft basically. And apparently, it's quite a painful experience to travel in it. So therefore, yeah. there, uh, he has a very high pain tolerance. He needs a to test pilot or oh, something, and he has such to uh, ride a cool- it. Out.
1: Yeah, I mean there was a, there was a lot of like cool story hooks that they had. Like the the module itself was based on uh, a Roswell crash, crash technology yeah. from Area 51. That had a limited
0: be... amount of fuel. So yeah, they can only use it for hyper important things
1: that had gone vitally wrong like nuclear power yeah. plants exploding and other things. And he is like, love interest slash handler was a, a Russian woman named Olga. Yeah, who was
0: working on the same thing for the Russian technology, although I'm not quite sure how they got had their hands on Roswell technology, but, you know. No, they had their own crash. Oh, the the okay. Russians had their own backstep program. Right. And, and uh, yeah, when he whenever he arrived, then he had to, like, dial into the… Uh, to the Operation Center, with the code word that it was him, although I would have always thought that at a certain point they must notice that suddenly the craft has disappeared okay.
1: because there was like shots with an empty cradle and everything in there this is a this is a whole new sh- um you are right. Yes, there is there is only one version of the craft at any given time. Okay, so it is mentioned that he still exists twice during that 7-day right. period. When he goes back in time, he has to he has to call in and then his counterpart uh is put into isolation. Right, because he's never allowed to leave the base. And you like never see that. You never <laughs> yeah. see like I always wondered what would an episode be like if we just follow the dude who you know the the version of him that doesn't travel back in, because he eventually has to get into, in order to prevent an ontological yeah, paradox. I don't know,
0: that's like, they, they lampshade that, they completely gloss over it, and it never gets really addressed how that part of the time travel right. works.
1: I mean, there is one episode where there are two of them, where there's an Accident, and he gets split into into oh. two, and it was it was just really well done. You had moving cameras and everything, and it was just two versions of the same actor. Nice. Like, yeah, that that show was great. It was so uh, you got me so excited for seven days. Now let's just pause the the podcast and just talk about seven days all the time. Right, we have, you- next week, you will have a spin-off episode <laughs> no, on <don't>, that. <laughs> don't promise them that. Don't promise them that. Speaking of promises. Okay, before I, before I lose control, no, you're very good. Let's, uh, uh, let's talk about episode 110 of Farscape. They have got, got a, a secret. secret. Okay. Uh, I appreciate the uh, uh, episode title without right. contractions. Prepare to so, yeah, we start off with a Doctor Who crossover
0: where uh, Aaron and uh, Dargo are wielding sonic screwdrivers. What?
1: <laughs> Aaron and Dargo. Oh, you're right! Oh my god, yeah. Hey, good on Erin for finally touching a, a scanning oh, right, device. Yes.
0: She's like clearly uh, moving into the engineering territory and not like th- yeah. deeming that below her anymore. Tech using, not infantry.
1: She's not scared of the the, the tech cooties that yep. uh, these devices will have. Yeah, cuz they're 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 moving through Moya looking for uh, a peacekeeper technology.
0: Yeah, which apparently has been left more than the uh the paddock beacon from
1: Episode two, well, hey, that was also that was, Sally
0: Lapidus. Yeah, and I was and I was going to say, and also the control caller from the first episode, of course. Oh, yeah, very like, good. Uh, the thing, but yeah, that is the, the that is an interesting connection that it's also the same uh, director who did that. So I wonder if they uh, did that. right The director oh, sorry, is uh, Ian Watson.
1: Right. Okay, I think it's kind of a shame that Sally Lapidus didn't come back after, after this because... I'm actually a fan of both episodes. I know that IET was generally not very well received mm-hmm. by, the, uh, by the fans because, you know, it feels kind of out of place, I guess, with what the rest of the show wound up, uh, right. wound up being. But yeah. I kind of like these two. Talky character-driven stories in in between the, the the huge like action adventures that we that we usually get. So I noticed that uh, a pilot's arms grown back. Yeah, that's useful.
0: Good that for him. That went quick, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, we don't know how much time is like. There's never any indication of how much time was spent. Not much at all. That at is.
1: Well, okay, with these with these kind of television programs that came out every week for six months, twenty two episodes, you you're kind of supposed to assume that it's about one to two weeks. So between a day and and two or three weeks, and yeah. because a year is about a year generally.
0: Yeah, Dargo goes crawling through one of the hatches for which from the DRD hatches which he previously couldn't fit through, so he must have lost some weight or something. <laughs> because uh, i seem to recall yes, the, the problem right. that uh, we had to change oh rigel God. into those
1: hatches and uh, because nobody else could fit in there you're You're completely right. That was also Sally Lapidus' last script. The last time around, it also started in a hallway of of Moya and he was also like down in his belly and he could only fit his head through. Exactly. Now, of course, uh, uh, Anthony Simcoe hadn't been fitted with his much better prosthetics yet, though. Fair point. So now he could actually turn his head. But yeah, I guess guess since then, Dargo's been doing some space yoga and he's limbered up. So now he can squeeze through the the little kitty holes. He goes crawling
0: through the Jeffrey's tubes of Moya's or whatever. And he finds a weird... uh, um, Peacekeeper device which kind of looks a little bit like the, the same thing that was disabled by uh, Rigel in that other episode
1: yeah yeah you're right like it's also wrapped around what, what looks like some, some kind of fibers yep. or uh, 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 tendons Pilot
0: I found some Peacekeeper control panel
1: can you confirm
0: yes these are Peacekeeper markings Tell me what I should do with it.
1: Be careful which one pull. Pilot,
0: I can't understand you. What should I do? And thanks to a bit of uh, radio static, he gets the don't tug it, don't pull it, order wrong, and he just hears pull it or something. He gives it a yank. He gets zapped and shocked, goes sliding down
1: the space sl- slip and slide uh, <laughs> dance. <down> th- <laughs> I had slip and slide, too. <laughs> Sorry, that was, a, that was a high five. That's what we do when we write down the same note. Yeah.
0: Uh, basically, up and down, up and down, uh, sliding his way down further in until he stops again and finds another peacekeeper device, a peacekeeper shield. Thing is, of me, yeah. As it is later described, which promptly sprays him with some sort of goo, uh,
1: and he gets. I mean, he kicked it first. Oh, that's like, it. Yeah. He he just g- does, what should I do with it? What should I do? I have a peacekeeper device down here, dog. Some kind of peacekeeper. What? Okay, fine, I'll just smash it. And then he smashes it. And it gets, yeah. gets sprayed with, uh, with the fairy dust. Something erupts out. It's, it's wetter than fairy dust, I think. <laughs> well, okay. well, you've just named the episode. but <laughs> Wetterland fairy dust. Just, listen, I don't want to make too big a point of it, but you you really have just done that. <laughs> uh. And it promptly gets ejected out of the ship. And we see him floating yeah. through space. Yeah. Uh, wow, and and throughout all this, like there's there's been some some bits of business where they're communicating with uh, with pilot who's coordinating all this. Yes, pilot who's been very snippy with everyone. How much longer do you expect this to take? That is not a legitimate question. Considering as I have just stated, I have no data on how many peacekeeper devices may still be concealed. It will take as long as it takes.
0: He was acting very strange. Right? Bit, yes. I also noticed that his holo unit had improved again. Like, oh, yeah. It was looking much clearer. In in, in some of the later shots, there was a little bit of uh, scan lines, but most of the time it was like super... It's
1: it's full-on HD. Like, yep. It, it's amazing how it progressed in just 10 episodes from from black and white Betamax yep. in the in the first episode. To and now then nice through...
0: high-def... Yeah, pilot. I guess they wanted to show Pilot off a little bit more, have him not be quite so mysterious anymore, because he's been having oh, more a of a part They can actually show him off more and not have him as this, this weird entity thing, because we,
1: we learn more and more about Pilot. Yeah. I wonder also if maybe that was a, a sort of an economic concern, I guess. I mean, okay, so starting off with the, the scan lines and the sort of almost analog technology, right. like that's... That's really cool to set it apart from from Star Trek mm-hmm. and, and and Star Wars, where it's where it's much more perfect. Actually, it's much closer to Star Wars, where you have a lot of yes. scan lines things as well, very analog uh, representations. And then after you've done that a few times, I mean, it's kind of an expensive visual effect. I to do like 3D scan lines and spherical and stuff. I guess maybe
0: is... they uh, didn't have to spend a lot of uh, other uh, tech tokens in
1: this episode because there's not a lot oh, in the way of uh, the special effects in this episode nor frankly props because we start off with uh, with Aaron getting a piggyback ride from from John. Yep. Have they not ladders? No, well, he specifically offers that he w- was going
0: to get her something to stand on, oh. but that she declined, and like apparently this is more efficient
1: or something I think. well, and I guess it's another like proximity alert because oh, they're always they are they, always shoving up together those they are, two they
0: are, and he does get a little nice little shock when he's got his ear between her thighs. <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> he is her mount and her conductor, I Correct. guess yes. I'm getting some sort of proximity alarm. I should have worn rubber soles. Um, <laughs> he should have worn prophylactics, that's oof. right. So, uh, uh, well, okay, there is a little bit of CGI there because Dargo when he's when he's going through the uh, uh through Moya's I guess sinuses or upper leviathan tubes. Yeah. Like that's all kind of 3D cool like cgi stuff when he's sliding Is down it, I, I thought they just made a tunnel because like we oh got, they did once we, he once he comes to a to a halt but there's right. a, there's a lot of sliding down oh, i thought I, like, I actually th-
0: so, thought i saw a, uh, a security cable that was like uh, anchoring him or something when he was sliding oh, down oh very good yeah i thought he was just like like yeah they literally threw him down a slip and slide or something which they'd uh, nicely decorated with more uh, Moya ribs or whatever
1: they're called. Yeah, it was a cool shape. It was sort of wide and, and oval at the bottom and then very narrow at the top. Sort of like, um. oh, I guess the... Fallopian tubes? Oof, oof. I don't know what they're supposed to look like, so... <laughs> well, no, none of us have ever been inside them. Actually, technically... Half of our DNA has been inside <laughs> right, them at one point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, hey, cool reproductive biology.
0: So yes, Erin uh, goes out in her uh, what's it called again? Scrambler? Prowler. 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 Very yes. good.
1: Uh, Did you notice that she angled the the engines? The thrusters. Yes. That was so cool because it's got these sort of sharp prongs on the side of the what we'd call wings. I mean, obviously it isn't. No. Uh, it, it's sort of a trident when it's flying, Engine and then she pods.
0: Yeah.
1: like turned them upright. I don't know exactly how she like e- grabbed him. Got
0: him. No, that was like she was wearing a spacesuit. Maybe she just opened up her. Cabin or something and pulled him in. It's like. Oh, it's, just it's,
1: sort of lashed him down with some elastic know. bands.
0: Yeah, cl- it's unclear. But yeah, basically he gets flown in. He's a little bit blue in the lips. But other than that, he's Ooh, slightly, yeah. f- slightly frosty. L- looks surprisingly well for someone who's been out in space for half an hour.
1: He's frozen stiff
0: and he isn't breathing. Frozen solid? Now, that's yeah. nonsense. You don't
1: freeze solid. And also in apparently half an hour. they
0: can last up to 15 minutes without much problem. Uh, and half an hour is like a little bit
1: critical. So they, uh, they need to revive him. And Crichton immediately practices. Is proper American jock medicine. He makes a he makes a two-handed fist with his fingers interlinked because that's how you get maximum force and break all the you bones in your hand things. when you smash something. Yeah. And, uh, that- and smacks him on the chest. John, what are you doing? Stop. has not he suffered enough? That won't help.
0: That's really only you're supposed to use when you want you need to restart someone's heart. And like Yeah. So now
1: okay, fair. You 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 look at Dargo, you think, that dude's got ribs. You want to get you want to get to his heart. Yeah, but he doesn't even know that's where he keeps his heart, right? Yeah. My hearts
0: are private places. Stay out of them.
1: As as Zan then corrects him, hey, John, stop that. Yeah, fl- that's not going to
0: do anything. Flips him over. Please stop. Stabs him with a syringe, which brings
1: him around pretty quick. And he wakes up and he immediately calls for pilot, until he sees Zan, and then he. He sort of softens and smiles in a way that we've never seen him do before, even when he was high on tannat root. In yeah. uh, thank God it's Friday again. He gets a very fond expression, and yeah, seems to be not quite there yet. Caressing, uh, caressing Zan's face in a very intimate way. Yes, which Zan responds to. How do you feel, David? I'll be all right. <laughs> Kindly, gently, she has a she has yes. a lovely smile. Ah. Oh. To be held in those arms, the way that she's holding holding Dargo, mm. what a what a blessing that must be. Pilot is starting to talk a little bit strange at this point. you feeling okay? I'm working on it. Yeah, um, he's doing the whole, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm yeah, here. And everyone can hear, oh, what, dude, just go to the toilet, <laughs> like you sound super constipated. Something's not
0: right. And, um... Crichton and Eren go off to find what uh, Dargo was, had, was up to. And he, they try to extract information from Pilot about where he was, and Pilot is like kind of like vague about it, like maybe on deck 22.
1: Which suggests that Moya's pretty
0: big. And we know Moya's pretty big.
1: That's big. That's big. It's very big. That's really big.
0: Don't I know it?
1: What do you think the scale is of Moya? Because. We don't really have a huge sense of scale. We have, I mean, we have two real clues. We have the exterior shots where you see some lights, which I think are supposed to be windows, usually on spaceships.
0: And there's multiple tiers of those. So you can tell that, like, yeah, 22. I mean, she's probably about the
1: size of the Enterprise. The Enterprise D, you think? Uh, Maybe not the D, but, you know. So the other thing that we get is her, uh, like, her docking compartment, which is very spacious. Which is also very huge, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Saw
0: that Peacekeeper ship flying in with room to spare. Oh yeah, so, and it
1: seemed like there was even like multiple docks. Yeah, so the, that, no. The... She's
0: she's a big girl prowling around through the corridors. Uh, Crichton and Erin find uh, try to find the place where uh, Dargo had been busy, and they meet up with a recalcitrant DRD.
1: Yeah, who promptly glue guns Erin uh, to the floor with her boot in her hand. Uh, yeah, and it's still. Threatening her with its with its glue gun, she thoughtfully like turns her head away and like covers her mouth loosely with her arm to protect to protect herself from. uh, uh, Mm. Crichton grabs it, uh, uh, snaps its uh, its glue gun off. Promptly gets his hand glued stuck to that whole thing in the process and takes it back to Zahn for analysis and says, "Okay,
0: don't touch it, don't touch it. It could still be sticky. Then we're stuck. Then we'd be stuck together." Uh, Zahn goes and does some analysis on it. Well, you'd think that they'd like you know. They know what kind of things that the DRDs have on board, and they should know what this is because it's just probably some yeah. sort of
1: moya repair glue. Uh, yeah, exactly. What else would it be? Yeah. moya repair glue. <laughs> uh, but it also has some of the uh, uh, the the fairy dust uh, that Dargo was covered in because oh, yeah. Zan has been uh, has been collecting and analyzing that, and she notices that there's huh that's weird. There's some more on on this on right. this glue stuff. Yeah.
0: He gets the solvent, which apparently is nasty stuff, and there's another little bickering, intimate moment between uh, Aaron and Crichton, where he's like yeah. working on dissolving the glue, and it's, it's all the the, the, the latent—I don't know if it's sexual tension, but at least like interpersonal relationship yes. tension that they have going.
1: There's there's more chemistry than just uh, a glue and solvent going on, but this whole scene. I thought was fantastic. I know that there's a lot going on in this uh, in this episode, but we have never seen Crichton and Aaron together for this long. Yeah, and while he's while he's applying the uh, uh, the solvent, like he's not looking at her; he's focusing at his on his work. They're 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 bantering a bit. It's good you're being funny again. Uh, uh, he does uh, he, making he, jokes at each other. He does but- have
0: his smoldering eyes though, and he's kind kind of like doing that. Un- <laughs> Under the eyebrows gaze that he does so well.
1: We should all be so lucky to have a to have a science jock look at us like that. Oh, let me guess, is that you being funny? He's being very careful with her. And they're actually sharing like a little a little heart to heart as well. Like they're not sniping at each other. All the barbs are kind of mild and minor. None of them are performative or exaggerated, I thought. No. We've never we've never seen them like be just this. Comfortable around each other. I wouldn't call it comfortable, but because, like, she's still pretty
0: snippy about him, like, trying to get to. He's he's being careful in using the solvent, and she's being very impatient about it.
1: This is ridiculous. Well, it's going to work. Eventually. Trust me. And I think he gets it because like she's she's the one who's trapped, yeah that, you know, like she's under stress and he's in, 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 in caring mode, and mm-hmm. he's kind of letting her do it like this is what you I mean that's the feeling that I got that he was that he was comfortable with her like he knew her well enough to know that she gets stressed, she's going to bite that's okay no, I, you fair know, enough yeah. I'm going to give you that space. So she finally manages to rip her hand free. Yeah, Crichton takes credit for it. Hey, told right. you the yeah. solvent would work. I mean, I suppose it is because because
0: in, in the next scene they're, uh, they're they're just washing it off, and now it suddenly comes off easily. Apparently, but like,
1: yeah, it's not quite clear whether. I mean, she has a lot of that purple glue gunk still on her hand, and then the next time the yeah we we see her rinsing it off, but and she's they like, about oh, the most solvent. of the solvent
0: is gone now. Maybe she just dunked her hand in the solvent and the, but no, yeah, like I don't know. Apparently, it strips you down to the bone.
1: Excuse me for being careful, but this stuff could eat through your skin down okay, to the Okay, so let's avoid that. It wasn't good for you, that's for sure. In the meantime, there's another, like, quiet moment between, between Dargo and Zan where he calls her Lolan. Oh, yes. Lolan. Lolan. Who's Lolan? Who is Lolan? Lolan. Lolan! Because clearly, like, he's come out of his... His deep space delirium. He's seeing someone else than he's actually looking yes, at. He looks at Zahn and he sees something we don't yeah, know.
0: he's very, very affectionate with. I think at this point there's also been a problem on Moya with the uh, environmental controls.
1: Pilot, what is going on with Moya? Yes, things have started to things fritz, are getting a little bit.
0: fritz a bit. Things are getting colder, which you can see because Zahn is wearing this beautiful fuzzy robe now. Uh, yes.
1: Zan gets a lot... She tries all her outfits but it's this all blue. episode. But
0: this one suddenly jumped out at me, because I don't think I'd seen this one before. The the, the the blue fuzzy dress, cloak, whatever it is. It sort of looks like moss, doesn't it? It does a bit, yes. yeah. Someone, like, maybe skinned a bow, thinned uh, the stole or something. and uh, What, a, a boa? Feather boa, you know.
1: Oh, okay, so not a boa constrictor, no. a feather boa. Yes. Okay well, let's imagine that that's some sort of dinosaur or some kind of I mean the peacekeepers have the scent towns maybe they have feathered boas as yes. well I mean, that's what, what would probably would be feathered a feathered snake be like would that be pleasant or would it be know,
0: maybe maybe it's just another kind of bird
1: okay, no, I'm being transported into a magical world that you're conjuring for me of <laughs> feathered snake birds oh i need to be I need to be tethered back to reality, much like Dargo right. We continue with Aaron and Crichton who continue to have this this heart to heart where they're talking about what what disease is like, and this is like oh, yes. some of the most Star Trek writing I've seen so far, where he's talking about what
0: it's like on Earth, uh, how terrible it is with lots of like people getting sick all the time and viruses running rampant, and uh, yeah. Aaron being like, "Oh no, we don't have that because like we are perfectly inoculated, as you call it," uh, and if yeah. uh, and if you come, if our scientists come across a new one, then they make us a new inoculation An for it, substrate yeah, that's, prevent that's the prevent yeah. growth. And this is where we learn that apparently they are born and raised on ships, which. I thought was a little bit in contrast with which what we learned about the captain right. who apparently was conscripted at a very young age along with his
1: little brother. You didn't choose to be a peacekeeper?
0: We were selected for peacekeeper training. It is a great right. honor.
1: What can we say except there must be multiple ways for, for people to right. enter peacekeeper service. Yeah. Uh, they She does talk about how important it is to keep the bloodlines pure. It's ingrained in peacekeepers from birth that we must keep the bloodlines pure. Right, that comes up later I think. So I really liked this long conversation that they that they have. I mean, there's a lot of exposition in this in this episode in general. Like I noticed that even in the first few few minutes they talk about Moya being a living ship. Man, I'm never going to used to walk around inside a living ship. They talk about being escaped prisoners. Like, they're sort of resetting the entire premise, almost like us mentioning the entire premise at the beginning of every episode. Yes. It's a little spoiler for for what we learn later, but the main uh, uh, premise of this episode was actually originally in the script for the the first episode. Oh, okay. When it was sort of going to be a little button on the end. Oh, and by the way, Moya is... mm, pregnant as we find out yes um and then it was decided that it would be a shame to like put that into an episode that already has a lot going on right i'm gonna save it for and make it give it its own episode right and as they were thinking about like the second half of the first season like what kind of we want to do more like continuity what can we do that is the moment that we're going to do it yeah so this is actually kind of an on-ramp episode like I I, i guess it introduces a new plot arc right right yeah so I think it's possible for, for for some viewers to just start at episode 10 of season one and get it because you get everything that you need to know
0: pilot in the meantime has gone a bit wrong
1: oh he's, he's looking queasy he's, uh,
0: he, he went from being slightly delirious to just going out of it completely and Erin moves uh, up to uh, check on him and actually starts playing around with the controls
1: yes the, the whole ship starts listing everyone's tumbling over and she pushes on one of his one of his push pads like oh this, this must be roll control and this must be
0: yaw and it's like she starts just like controlling the ship a little bit how'd you do that? I think this control is
1: ballast, and this is illumination. Crichton and and, and Zan have a little aside from oh, he must she must still have some of his DNA. Leftover
0: of no, that was completely washed out of her. And was what, it? Yeah, it was yes, exactly.
1: Kind of rude to be having a chat about someone while they're still on comms. Yeah,
0: maybe, <laughs> maybe they made the sign, and now that the <laughs> oh, yes,
1: you. <laughs> for, for our listeners at home, he just made the sort of throat-slitting sign from Galaxy Quest, a very cool science fiction reference that we all Which get. was also in 1999. Uh, yes, yes. That, uh, that came up in this in, in the far back machine previously. Yep. Oh, I really enjoyed this segment, by the way. I really enjoy that you're sort of transporting me back to a more innocent time Speaking of not being
0: innocent, we have Rigel going through uh,
1: Dargo's <laughs> stuff again. Yes. Like, he's just like, he's, he's not he, even waiting for someone to die he now. He's just
0: doing his usual shit, like going through, like, oh, I like this or I don't like that.
1: Or, I'm impressed that he doesn't go straight for Dargo's shoes and then spends nine and a half hours trying to unlace them, which is what he did with Crichton the last time that he was I unconscious. I mean, I mean, he is just a little kleptomanic, I guess. Like, Maybe he just likes giving the funeral rites, and we just missed like, the previous <laughs> 15 minutes that he was going, tolerated shipmate. <laughs> actually not our hallowed realm no that's for hynerians go find your own hallowed realm
0: and uh, <laughs> and darko wakes yeah. up sees him and what did i tell you about going through other people's stuff and he's like what did i say about going through other people's
1: things it's such a weird, I mean, for a second you kind of think that he is angry, but he's just being stern and reserved, but there's sort of a cheekiness to it. Come here, boy. Come here, boy. Boy. Actually, I noticed look it's a very late
0: appearance for Rigel in the episode. It's like uh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't seen him at all until this point.
1: Uh, yeah, you mentioned that maybe the, uh, the 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 puppeteers were getting a day off. Yeah, oh yeah, because that's like uh, Pilot's hardly in it and, uh, after <laughs> yeah. after the beginning,
0: and all. Oh, Rigel is to some Rigel degree. Rigel only but...
1: shows up after after Pilot goes unconscious. As yeah. as if oh, 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 maybe they were just doing one crew of
0: puppeteers, so they had to do it all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're being mean. If anyone from the Henson Company is listening, we do actually know how it works, and we know that everyone is a professional who puppeteers their own character. Uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Eccleston please don't be mad at us we love your work we know that you're very special and cool
0: So I went through a whole range of uh, thoughts and theories during this scene.
1: I want to know everything. So what, what, what were your thoughts? So my, you...
0: my, my first thought was that he thought that Rigel was a pet or something. Because he was like speaking to him with a chiding tone. Oh, yeah. And he was just, like completely ignoring anything that Rigel was saying. Like almost like he didn't hear it. <laughs> yes,
1: uh, Rigel. What is the matter with you? Ow! Oh. 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 <laughs> How dare you handle me this way? Johnny, you are so big. Oh, my size is never a matter for discussion.
0: Uh, And Rigel's just like blathering on like he usually does because, like, he does—he pretty much ignores what everybody else says as well. So this was like a perfectly (laughs) matched. uh... (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, it didn't. Doesn't even occur to him that he's not being listened to exactly
0: and uh <laughs> Dargo who is obviously still in the throes of his space sickness yes yeah. uh yeah, he's just like he's speaking very fondly and a little bit
1: humorously, and he, he goes tickle, 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 <laughs> yes. much to Roger's chagrin. A Lux and noogie, yes. <laughs> uh, it's like the only time that we've we've seen him like verbally express an emotion that doesn't involve hissing. He's going to true, he's, he's sort yes. of purring now. So he's he like, is, oh.
0: yes, he was, and he was also doing some. Other, his crying was also a little bit weird, as we later on see on in the episode more hissing. <laughs> My next thought was that it was his kid brother that he thought he was talking to. Oh
1: wow, that's a really good one. Yeah, it was. It was very much like his his performance was very big brother energy. Right, I'm here, reassuring. Yeah, yeah, very very nurturing. Uh, Very much so. And then,
0: like we learned that it was actually he's thinking that he's talking to his son. Yeah, which was the big reveal.
1: Yes, Jothi. I'm, ah, Jothi.
0: We don't really learn anything because he doesn't say anything particular uh, that uh, has any relevance.
1: No, it's just very confusing for, uh, for Rigel. For Rigel, yes. Oh, I love his son. Son? You think I'm your son? I honestly, I kind of thought that Rigel's response was kind of the weakest performance in the uh, in the episode. In terms of, I think, the writing, like, he just got to be exasperated. Right. Yeah, He had a little bit of, like what are you talking about? Like,
0: I don't understand what you're saying. And it's like... And that's all he got to do. Yeah, it wasn't very... Uh, after, he, after he caught on to the fact that uh, Dargo was, in fact, not being particularly... Uh,
1: was, was not all here. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: very good. Uh, then he was just, like, being really confused and tried to make make sense of what Dargo was saying, which was yeah. really clearly quite difficult. So, as Rigel is being confused by Dargo, Azan and... Uh, Crichton are on the bridge, going through Moya's blueprints, X-rays. I don't know what it is. They're big, big transparent sheets which apparently show, yeah, show bits of how Moya's uh working. I love and-
1: how you see how Crichton sort of squinting at it and trying, like, holding it upside down. Like, what is it? It's well, sort of like
0: yeah. high-tech Rorschach test. And we learn that Pilot has tentacles all through Moya. Yeah, you caught that. Which means, must mean that pilot's pretty huge. I mean, if at least in biomass, if he's got, uh, you know, like if he's, right, spread th- yeah. if he's spread throughout the ship, then...
1: Uh, well, the word was tendrils. Oh,
0: tendrils, not tendrils, yeah, right. Yeah,
1: it, it comes sort of down to the, the same thing. But yeah, like that's, that's one of the things that I think Crichton and Aaron talk about. Pilot's tendrils run all through the ship. So that must be how he's sensing the the, the ship, or I guess that's how he's he keeps control of things.
0: It must be the monitoring system for Moya, which of course, like she's a biomechanical entity, yeah, uh, and she doesn't really seem to have a an actual control. Although that makes me wonder about the control surfaces in the in the in command, right? I guess she she doesn't come with a built-in operating system, or at least a control system, which would
1: be pilot. Then so maybe the
0: consoles our pilot. That is a good, yeah. a good
1: point. I mean, okay, so we've seen Aaron bring up the uh, uh, the sort of rollerball, ergonomic right. uh, uh, yeah. manual control column. Um, but whenever they want to go to Starburst, they have to ask pilot. Yes. So there must be some systems that pilot controls and some that they can control directly. So it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum about how that works. <laughs> a, new, a new outfit for Zan, by the way. She's got her science blue uh, oh, yes. uh, uh, lab coat. Oh, yes, she does. You're uh, right. Or smock, I think. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. a, it Doesn't have an opening at the front. Yeah, it's got the buttons on the side of things. Ah, like that's proper, right.
0: Like a proper uh, mad scientist coat has. <laughs> and they talk about <laughs> the, 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 the particles or whatever it is that we are uh, that they were dealing with, that uh, Dargo what got sprayed with at
1: some point. Yeah, and the initial idea that it may be debris from the explosion that blasted them right. out doesn't really hold no. water.
0: But no, it's because it turns out they actually contain Moyes... DNA, genetic code—I don't know what it was.
1: They're so, literally part of Moya herself. Right. They're, so, they're Moya tissue.
0: So at this point, I'm thinking those must be Moya's white blood cells or something, and Moya's con, uh, contracted LIV, Levine immunovirus, infectionary immunov- <laughs> virus virus. <laughs> Whoa! I
1: mean, <laughs> you know. yeah, that is a. Uh, uh, oh, actually, Crichton called it that. So you guys just zip around the galaxy, hoping you don't know, pick up some STD, space transmitted disease. Yeah, we're hitting all the notes here. So we've got like family drama, we've got lost memory, we've got high stakes, we've we've got STDs and pregnancies. This is a space telenovela. Like we've moved on from space opera to oh, uh, estrella novela. Oh, that? is that the estrellas? Is
0: stars in Spanish? Oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Australians kind of did a lot of uh, daytime TV. How thing. could I miss that? You're exactly. right. So this uh, is right up their alley.
1: Oh, like, can we can we name a whole bunch? Come on, I can obviously neighbors, flying doctors, flying doctors barely counts as a soap opera because it's got st- Okay, well, later seasons
0: definitely do. But
1: uh, Home and Away, okay, no, okay, that, I, I, I don't that know any
0: of those things. Uh, Sydney Sultan by the Bay, lovers, okay, Sultan- Sydney by the Bay. Oh, I don't know that one. No, I just made it up. <laughs> okay,
1: cool. <laughs> no, I respect that. That is a valid strategy. And honestly, if, if you were going to, like, yeah, there's probably, there probably is a Sydney by the bay, self-opera. Because, I mean, Australia is not, in terms of population, it's not a huge country. No. But they sure do make great television. Yeah. If nobody else does it for you, you've got to do it yourself. <laughs> That's so, the game motto. We have a scene between
0: Dargo and Creighton, who also is seems to be recognized by Dargo as... Someone from his past, someone who he is not quite so happy with.
1: Yeah, he does not get nuggies. He does not get kisses. He no. gets shoved up against the wall, and how dare you? Because he's Macton. Dog, I'm not Macton. How dare you dishonor your sister's name?
0: Yeah, there's some, some something weird going on. Like, so I guess, like it turns out, that Macton's his brother-in-law.
1: And this is where we even even in the music we got castanets at this point. So oh. then you know. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Macton was his his brother in law. I mean, we're piecing together that Lolan was his uh, his wife at this point now. What were you sort of reconstructing of the of the plot at this point very little it's just I was,
0: I was trying to figure out what the connection was to the crime for which he was imprisoned, which yes. I think we have figured out by the end of the episode now uh, right at this point i I was just like wondering where it was going there was There seemed to be some weird rivalry going on.
1: I was surprised how gentle the confrontation is because Dargo is clearly very angry at Macdon mm. But he doesn't like shove him. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't attack him, which Dargo has done for far smaller slights. Yes, uh, uh, to to Crichton about whom he doesn't care and whom he doesn't hate. Maybe it was a
0: younger, more relaxed right? uh, Dargo that we're looking at now, who's still as he's still processing back through his memories as as they're slowly thawing in his head or something. Anthony
1: Simcoe did such a great job this episode. They they frankly they all did. Like these are some great actors, and they finally got. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I won't I say they finally got the opportunity to show it, but they, they got an episode that was driven entirely by by their performances amongst themselves, with yeah. each other.
0: I mean, yeah, that's literally only the, all they had. It was all an on episode, nothing off-planet,
1: everything happens on Moya. Uh, yes, uh, uh, sp- uh, uh, or in Moya, as we've actually. never seen her before. Like, all well. oh, the hallways are red now, um, and Crichton finds himself in, in the Fraggle Cave. I was going to say it's more like the opening scene of Cats, you know...
0: Cats? Yes, where you suddenly see a pair of eyes lighting up <gasps> in the darkness oh, and then another one and another one and another one and another one. <laughs> and he's like face down with a hallway which is completely full of DRDs. <laughs> he calls it a cave scene from
1: Yosemite Sam.
0: Ah, uh, I can see where that's coming from,
1: yes. Uh-oh. Eyes. Eyes. Yeah, like a cave scene in a Yosemite Sam cartoon. DRDs. They're blocking the passageway. Uh, I gotta find another route.
0: And he frantically cries out
1: to uh, Aaron to turn off the DRDs. Yeah, because they've been shooting at him. Yeah. That's... They've been chasing him down. He he does a long power slide down through one of those uh, uh, Leviathan tubes again.
0: Eren!
1: Comes face to face with two more uh, and uh, uh, is just able to whisper to Aaron to shut them down before they kill him. Aaron shut down the TRD. Don't be ridiculous, Clyton. Just do
0: it. Yeah, uh, she does so, and uh, in in the process, like Moya is getting a lot darker because like they apparently uh, life support is shut down. The lights aren't all there anymore either. Uh, and there's a little conversation, but like, oh, we only have as much air as we as there is around us, and I was like, well, Moya's that huge. just so like a lot.
1: That's not really going to be a problem anytime soon. We have air in here. Like unless the 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 docking bay is just venting into space, uh, the, which I don't think there is. There's probably enough, right? Unless, I mean, she is under constant positive pressure. Moya is, yeah. I mean, maybe she's just not fully sealed. Maybe she's so competent in like producing oxygen oh. that you'd rather, you know, maybe there's just constant. Well, no, we, to, we, out to, into we space. talked about this. You need to huh? re, you need to get the mass
0: where if you lose oxygen, where are you going to get oh, the no, new you're oxygen right. molecules you're right, from. Right. It's like that's you can't make oxygen out of nothing.
1: No, no, you can you can like electrolyze it out of something that, yeah, if you that have has CO2, oxidized, yeah, if
0: you have CO two, then you can just like turn it into oxygen and hydrogen.
1: There's yeah, no you problem. Can yeah, electrically deoxidize yeah. it. So you only need power for that, but you can't make more atoms. You're right that uh, uh, that it's getting darker. Uh, maybe that also because Aaron is not in the pilots' den. Aaron, John and uh, and Zan are having another housemates meeting yep. in a new room that we haven't seen before and the camera moves around them while they're lit from above and they're discussing very seriously like the repercussions. This was also like a Star Trek conference room scene where they're laying out everything they know, uh, uh, oh, the, yes. the peril that they face. Yeah, lots of
0: Dutch angles, lots of camera fades,
1: lots of... Uh, camera fades was such a weird move. Yeah, that's something they really don't do. It's, like it's, right. it's almost like conspiracy talk. Except they're not really plotting against no. anyone but they 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 do come to the the idea that maybe there's something wrong with with Moya Moya is starving a uh, uh, pilot yes. of of nutrients get, get him some nutrients
0: i'm on it
1: and killing them and well maybe something needs to be needs to be done
0: as they're having this meeting uh, they decide to uh, call on Dargo who has apparently been uh, walking around Moya giving uh, piggyback rides to uh, Rigel, <laughs> yes,
1: to Rigel. Roger, where are you? Getting a piggyback ride. Well, see if you can get a ride back up to command. Who's exasperated when they finally call him. It has apparently not occurred to him that he can call them for help. No. He maybe, maybe that's below, below his dignity or something. Picks up the phone in He He's wearing his pajamas at this point, I oh, noticed. Oh, that's what they are. Which I didn't notice him having on when he entered uh, uh, Dargo's chambers ah, for the So for the maybe thieving. we had a little awkward <laughs> little changing scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so he's uh, he's being exasperatedly carried around uh, and gets instructed to uh, uh, to guide the Luxon up to the uh, uh, up to the command, right. so that they can try. Like they don't really discuss how they're going to do it, but they clearly have some kind of strategy for, uh, 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 I guess, an, an intervention. Mm, maybe because Crichton skulks in the back; he stays out of view, right? Um, and he waits for, uh, for Zan to, to talk to him and ask him a few questions until, like, they can trigger his lucidity again. She asks him, like, where do you think you are? Well, that. That's not exactly
0: as I, as I recall it. What right, happens right, is that yeah, yeah. Uh, Dargo immediately starts going off again with his uh, various fantasies. Uh,
1: uh, yes, because he sees Zan and recognises
0: right. her as Lolan. And when uh, uh, Crichton finally comes into the mix, he actually plays into his role. He starts
1: playing. That's right. That's yeah. right. But it comes in at the moment where uh, uh, Zan talks to talks to him, pretending to be Lolan, right. and constantly like asking him questions as you as one does does perhaps who's who's confused, right?
0: Trying to guide. Guide once thought to trying yeah. to figure out what's going on and where he actually is in his and mind. And it
1: and it keeps it keeps failing because Dargo keeps finding reasons to interpret it as a as a way as a question that Lolan is asking until she asks him Where is he here, sweet Dargo? Like this is where I kind of clued into the, ah, the okay. title. They've got a secret. Right. Once she, once she, once it arrives at a piece of information that Dargo actually wants to keep secret, that's the that Seems to be the moment where he breaks out. Oh, okay. And he because he doesn't answer, he sort of he sort of stops. Crichton notices he's been skulking in the back, and that's when he comes in. First, he talks to Dargo like, "Hey, uh, uh, we we need you." Sees that Dargo has relapsed back into uh, uh, his his derangement, and then he does the same thing that Zahn did successfully. Buy into the uh, into the hallucination or dementia or whatever right. it is. Pretend to be MACTON, Get him into a high and high emotional state again, and then try and it's sort of pace and match. You know right. the, the, he, the technique.
0: Uh, yeah, because he, he he clearly plays into the angry uh, brother-in-law role. You keep your hands off my sister. Yeah, you're uh, not worthy of my, my sister. Si- exactly, and uh, stuff like that. And here is where we start to learn that, yeah, he had a son uh with of course a wife, as is traditional for this for that kind of arrangement <laughs> yeah. um okay, but uh, his wife wasn't a Luxon no, his
1: wife's a suspicionian, because if Macdon is a peacekeeper, then oh'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, honestly, if there is, if there is a genuine telenovena with this kind of stakes and, and and set in space, I would absolutely watch that. So now we have established that
0: interspecies kids is a thing. And yeah. I guess the whole keeping the bloodline pure becomes interesting as well. But it's just, it's, can all species do this? It's just it's a Sebastian thing, and Sebastian's... Interbreed maybe just with
1: Luxons or with anybody else. Or like, right. Like, how, what, 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 what are the implications for this? So it may be uh, advanced medical technology that if you just stop having disease, then this is also one of those things that you can overcome. You can, you can uh, uh, do cross species uh, uh, genetic mixing. But you know, even on Earth with species on Earth, that's that's difficult. Like we yeah. have twenty six pairs of chromosomes. Horses have what was it like either fourteen or fifty? Like. Yeah. Different species, and we're all mammals, right? Yeah, potatoes have forty. Cool. Were you planning to have babies with a potato? No, I'm just I saying. Mean, I wasn't have planning to have horse babies, but like, <laughs> that seems a little. Well, I'm curious. Do you think it's more? Do you think you're more likely to marry and have children with a potato or with a horse? Okay, well. serious question. Let's get into now, it. Now, I mean, I do love me spuds, so. <laughs> Oh, the horse actually comes up in this episode. When, oh, yes, uh, it does. Uh, horse and rider is what, uh, what John says when, when Aaron asks him, in another bit of Star Trek dialogue, do you not have anything like a biomechanoid on your, on your civilization? Now? Yeah, no, not really. We have horses, yeah. and then there's a little bit of discussion about how they're used for
0: transportation and labor, and so, oh, you enslave them. I like, no, we don't enslave them. We but we keep love them, in- too.
1: Yeah. You love what you enslave. We don't enslave them. All right, we, all right.
0: uh, Dargo kind of snaps out of it And he shows them a picture of uh, His wife and their kid Which he
1: he digs out of his own chest Yes He has a holographic photo that That Apparently, all of his his jailers have missed I that guess, he can yeah. sort of finger Pull out, out a mm-hmm. literal wound in his chest. Dargo is
0: so hardcore. Well, I mean, he is like the, the ultimate warrior, Luxon. And he has been
1: a prisoner for eight years, so he yeah. probably has lots of places he can hide Prison stuff. Prison pocket. <laughs> I'm very curious, <laughs> but I also suspect that I know what you're talking about, and since this is a PG-13 podcast, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to protect our listeners' delicate ears.
0: So uh Aaron goes back into pilot's chamber to do more piloting stuff and actually try try to they 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 talk about disabling Moya's higher functions which is yeah. it's kind of unclear what they're, what the plan is like are they trying to lobotomize her are they trying to what are they planning on doing to her it makes very little sense I, think. I mean initially it's supposed
1: to be like a reboot procedure but then Zan right. asks what if we can't get it up again
0: was which I
1: noticed that one of us really snigger. sniggered there one of us was kind yeah. of tasteless there I noticed I guess I wonder who that was and the other one wrote it down and mentioned it <laughs> so who's has the high ground now I wonder uh Crichton goes uh, on
0: an exploratory uh, trip. They find the place where um dargo originally
1: crawled through the little uh hatchway for the uh for the scuttlebots and and Crichton is now prepared to go through I noticed that he had a different jacket on. He has a full flight suit on. It was on. a space suit on. Yeah. But she, I, I think it might have been Aaron's flight Aaron's, suit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was her helmet as well. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, goes, he already had a climbing harness, do you go, notice? Yeah, he goes spelunking down through the Moyes tubes. A couple of nice butt shots of uh, Ben Browder in this episode, I've noticed, by the
0: way. Climbing around. He makes his way down the corridor, uh, finds the uh, the shield
1: that the enforcers have placed in there. He goes crawling around a bit more, and he notices, as he gets to the end of the tether, he notices, like... Oh, there's something else there as well. There's something further down. This, I, I thought, was... Weak. I mean, yeah, right? It's like... like there's it's no real investigation, just stumbling along. Right, and there's no explanation for what or
0: why or how. Uh, it's like, apparently the enforcers put something there, but it's never explained what it's supposed to do. Or, yeah. Or, but he goes on uh, crawling on further down uh, into another tunnel... And he finds himself in a... A, a, cha- a cavern, he calls a it. A cavern. He huge cavern. Eren, yes. in the meantime, is frantically sawing away at uh, Moya's brain meats or whatever it is that she's doing yeah. with, the, with the blaster.
1: Uh, the the prism laser saw that we saw That's Dargo oh, use yes, previously. Was it. Nothing can resist a prism laser saw. Uh, yes, he's, he's, he's up there and just carving into the underside of uh, uh, pilot's console. A control disc, yes. Ugh.
0: John, Eren is through. She's
1: beginning to sever
0: Moya's higher functions. Oh, yeah, because they said that she couldn't reboot her or something, but she's right, she, she had had no sever- shutdown procedure. she so- to sever the controls, which I, at that point I'm really thinking okay, like, this sounds like you're trying to reboot an old PC and you're cutting the keyboard cord, and then it goes like, no keyboard detected, press
1: F1 <laughs> to continue.
0: You know, you're going to run into that kind of situation. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it, it it seemed like no one gave it a lot of thought. I mean, they didn't have Pilot to ask. No. I did appreciate that, that Aaron said, like, all I can do is just cut them entirely, which, as you say, lobotomizes uh, 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 Moya, but this can't be my decision alone. And she asks everyone else. Cut them. Permanently?
0: This isn't my decision alone.
1: If I do this, we all have to be a part of it. And they go, Ugh. And Crichton just says, "Cut him," and they move on. Like that didn't seem like they gave it a whole lot of thought. No, but I guess they are running low. On, it is
0: rather peculiar, yeah. On uh, on oxygen, Crichton, however, in the meantime, finds the core of the problem, so to speak, or at yeah. least the, the yeah, the the cause of it. And now, when you saw that, yeah.
1: on what did you think it was? Because we see this huge like cavernous space and this thing. What did you think it was?
0: I mean, we actually hear him say what it was before that we actually see it ourselves, I believe. At which point I my thought was like those boots he's got those are boots of conclusion jumping because like I would not have made <laughs> yes! that. Yes.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It okay, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. He just he has a jumping to conclusions Matt from uh, from Office Space. Exactly.
0: And he just like looks at this weird
1: what do you see? I don't know, kind
0: of UFO shaped thing which is hanging around there.
1: Right, what do you see? Yeah, in a in a sort of cath- organic cathedral that was lit like. Right, what do you see? I mean, what could it be? It could have been another pilot. It could have been like an alien infestation. Yep. It could have
0: been any another another peacekeeper device which would have been placed there. I mean, or could maybe
1: have... just an organ yeah. of
0: Moya's that he's never seen. But he before. goes, nope, she's pregnant.
1: Moya's pregnant.
0: I guess maybe he learned something from the blueprint. I mean, it seems a bit of a far stretch. He also noticed that there's lots of DRDs uh, clustered around it. And again, in another brilliant leap of conclusion, he realizes that uh, those DRDs are apparently necessary. DRDs.
1: The baby needs the DRDs. It seemed like they just got in a in a rush, or that the the, the writer or the or the director, it's like they just sort of ran out of well, time and and, it, and rushed these.
0: It is mentioned earlier in the episode that it's not not just pilot controls the D.R.D.s. The no, Moira herself can also yeah. control the D.R.D.s, despite the fact that they are not part of her because they are entirely mechanoid.
1: That's right. That's right. I mean, that's the whole reason that they had to that they had to shut them shut them down. Because right. with pilot out of the uh, out of the picture, he's still unconscious throughout all of this. Uh, Moya apparently has control of the DRDs, or uh, without her control, even like they're going murderous. So that's why uh, Crichton had her had yeah. Aaron shut them down. Aaron, in a kind of like
0: flustered look her hair all over the place pulls her head out of the console and like what what do you want me to do now like do i need to
1: stop cutting Do I, <laughs> yes. like no stop cutting and like it's shut a- and turn the drds back on and they're she- yelling at her for like five minutes stop stop which i've i've got to say is i i never like in an adventure show when it when it comes down to people yelling at each other and she goes okay fine i've stopped yeah, yeah. jesus <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right stopped as if she couldn't hear, like the tone of their voice and the panic through the the, the radio static, uh, turns the DRDs back on. Who immediately start advancing on Crichton. Right, they've... one of them pops out a little
0: DRD Gatling gun, which starts spinning up. Another high five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 little glue gun has been replaced with a with a with a Gatling and. Also, in in Star Trek tradition, Crichton gets down, like disarms himself, and holds a little little speech. Oh yeah, he puts his big gun down right in front of the D.R.D.
0: to uh, like show his peaceful intentions, and he starts basically monologuing towards Moya, yep. like hoping that she can apparently hear him through the D.R.D.s, even though he has no idea whether or not that's true or not. I wish there was some way that
1: I could communicate with you, let you know that what you're doing to nourish your baby is killing Pilot and us. Yeah, just throwing himself on the mercy of reason and communication And I know, I've harped on Star Trek a lot But that's a thing that I kind of like Okay And I think that he, I thought that he gave a good speech Oh, it was We would never hurt you or your baby We're happy that you're having a child
0: we're part of the family, we're going to do everything to take care of you and the baby and everything like that, so yeah. But
1: do we have to die for your baby to live?
0: Yeah, apparently Moya either didn't realise that or didn't want to, or it's yeah. a bit weird. But yeah, she turns the air back on, uh, Pilot seems to stir again as he gets
1: access to his nutrients or whatever it yeah. is that he needs. And everything, everything sort of returns to normal, which sort of suggests that all of the problems they faced, Moya chose
0: Right. To yeah. to
1: inflict those on the Moya was was nervous or she so was unsure what was happening that's, to her. Maybe
0: that's what the peacekeeper shield was. Maybe it was some sort of like IUD, which was like hormonal control yes. for Moya.
1: Yes, uh,
0: and well, like having that destroyed, and that might have disturbed everything. So maybe, maybe that's the the dust that the thing was collecting. It was like maybe some sort of pregnancy hormone, right. Which is generally spread out, and now that it was suddenly released all in one go because the machine had been collecting it or something, it like it sent her into overdrive. And that's which I should be a writer for the show.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, you should. I mean, this is although you know, if that was if that shield was not IUD, then ooh, what was Dargo crawling, crawling around in? Well, well Actually, we're talking no. about fallopian, no, wait, fallopian tubes or somewhere else. Yeah, they're they're sort of somewhere, like that's the same kind of sport, at least, if not the same <laughs> ballpark. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, generally with no balls involved except in a supportive capacity right. uh, when required for certain reproductive ca- uh, functions such as in this case. good I'm trying so hard to stay PG-13. Are you proud of me? Yes, very much Thank so. Thank
0: you. You are visibly struggling. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, with
0: Pilots and Moya more or less back in normal order... There's a another little scene with the crew. Everybody has a little reconciliation. Well, uh, it's not really reconciliation because, like but it's the,
1: it's, the, it's the come down, and this time it's yeah. not it's, it's not the, melancholy no. as it has often been, and it's also not like uh, a joyous or or, or a relief no. as there as there is in in some cases. It's like. They've, they've really processed some emotions, particularly Dargo, mm. who may have been repressing these, these memories. Like, it's not clear whether the, the, the memories that he was experiencing, whether that was a re- response to the, uh, what is it, pregnancy hormones or the, the pregnancy right. catalyst. I think it was from the space freezing, but, you know. Right, because yeah. uh, Zan, like, determines that it couldn't possibly affect him because no. it's biomechanoid. The
0: particles are biomechanoid, just like Moya. Aaron asks if she can see the uh, the photo uh, and Dargo obliges and shows her uh, the hologram he has of his yes. wife and child. Lolan uh, and Jothy. Jothy yeah. is a
1: big boy, by well, the way. I mean, yeah, though you don't know how old he is. You are so big. <laughs> well, you've got this woman sort of uh, 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 shaped and sized like Aaron herself. Yeah. Holding in both of her arms a, a boy who looks honestly my size almost. Aaron actually comments that she's a very good looking woman yeah Dargo um, snips back she's quite beautiful does it surprise you that such a sub woman would love me that's when you like you mentioned that uh, uh, the the bloodline purity that's right something that she mentioned
0: that's in inter- yeah so that's what I was wondering about it's like is this why too much contact with alien species is forbidden because as you know peacekeeper high command has very clear parameters regarding contact with unclassified alien life forms
1: because oh, they don't want to run the risk wow. of this kind of thing happening that <laughs> That is great. That had never occurred to me before. Yeah, that must be it. This to avoid this kind of fraternization.
0: Exactly. Like maybe. So maybe this is just a Sebation thing that they kind of like. like well, peacekeeper, peacekeeper, sorry, peacekeeper, because yeah. it's oh. like
1: I don't know that the Sebations have a problem with it necessarily. No,
0: but I mean, like maybe the Sebation thing is that they can do a interspecies crossbreeding. That might be a Sebation thing. Oh, uh, right. And therefore, and I've never seen a non-Sebation peacekeeper, have we? No. No. no, so let's assume that, like, so I'm I'm, I mean, I'm operating on the principle that the peacekeepers. Sebastians a, look human. Peacekeepers have always looked human. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm operating on the principle that this, that the peacekeepers
1: are a Sebation operation, or at least you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are non-peacekeeper the... Sebation colonies out right. there as well. Wow. No, you're 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 right. So because they're they're sort of uh, keeping the bloodlines pure. That's. Purely ideological, right? Like that's something that uh, uh, that Aaron was raised on. Since birth, she was born on one mm-hmm. of those ships. Uh, as you noticed, uh, Grace was not. Like he was, he was Shanghai. Oh no, yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah, yeah. He was from one of the colonies, I suppose, or maybe the home planet, or I don't know. What? No idea what went on there.
1: Yeah. So there must be self-replenishing uh, soldier stock, I guess, with occasional fresh blood from. Oh, that from might, that might be the case. Yeah. And we conclude this, this scene between Aaron and Dargo with, uh, okay, yeah, so we know that she was raised to, to oppose these abominations of mm. essentially mixed marriages. Yeah. But she says she'll keep his secret because he hid his son right, on, yes. a, on another planet so that the peacekeepers couldn't find him, and she tells him that she'll never tell. Dargo, no matter what happens to us, I will never tell anyone about your son. He had a secret, and now they have got a secret. Sorry, no contractions yet. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, very beautiful. I thought so too. I, I mean, I know that I've I've sounded critical of of some of the uh, the writing and like the narrative shortcuts. I think that were in this episode, but that's only because the the episode itself, the writing was so strong, and it was such a beautiful like like Luxon Romance novel or a Luxance <laughs> novel in with with appropriate tragedies. Yes. Uh, and all condensed to like a, the B
0: plot almost of the. Uh, it bears no direct relation to anything that happens,
1: other than the fact that it gets triggered by the uh, yeah the events yeah. which also uh, set Moya off. Yeah, you're right. Dargo is not involved in the Nothing, uh, in yeah. the events with not uh, at all. Um, but everyone is is involved in in him and in helping him. Yeah,
0: they're melding more and more into a, a, yeah. a crew, uh, whether they like to or not. They're just becoming a, a, a close knit group. I wonder I what, the, uh, uh,
1: what the relationship between pilot and the rest is going to be. Because he didn't notice most of this. He was unconscious of no, yes. most of this. But they did save him, I guess. And yeah, they did. And, and they Moya, were, I mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they sort of bonded with Moya, which he's got to appreciate. So Moya can cut off pilot, So there
0: must be a reason that she normally doesn't do that and accepts him for what he is. So, I mean, again, it
1: might be like a horse who occasionally tries to buck off a uh, rider. So, the way it was explained, so Moya is a biomechanoid. She could could survive on her own. Yeah. um, But she needs pilot. Oh, yes, yeah, you need pilot for the ancillary functions and the and the DRDs. Yes. Uh, so pilot is there actually mostly for life support for
0: passengers. Right. But also piloting. You know, it's like telling wh- yeah. where the ship should go. Although maybe that might be able to be doing command. That's a little bit unclear. Yeah. So that's weird. So was there
1: anything in the episode that gave you a willy or a woody? <laughs> okay. <laughs> turning, the, turning the tides. Um, let me see. Uh, I mean, my, my woody's got to go to the uh, 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 we got some choice butt shots of uh, oh, John Crichton, yes. like sneaking through. Uh, yeah, that uh, that uh, certainly certainly appreciated those. Welcome to the Federation Starship SS Butt Crack. <laughs> um, I guess also maybe a little. Fashion envy for uh, for Zan. She gets more oh, she, outfits she, than anyone. She did get lovely outfits this time round. Uh, she was, must have been, and also very
0: subtle because it's all they're all blue. Yeah, uh, and then but yeah, the, the texture is different and the materials are different, and there's there's a lot that's being said in that.
1: I think so too. Yeah, uh, she certainly got a lot to do. She got to do science. She got to do empathy. Mm. Uh, uh, she helped with the decision making. Um, my my Willie, I mean that was certainly like the 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 cave with the the eyes, the Yosemite Sam uh, Fraggle cave. Ah, yes,
0: all the D.R.D.s which are clustered up against the walls and the ceiling.
1: What's everybody looking at? Actually, actually, I think it's even before that. There's. Um, Yes, there's when when Aaron and John are in uh, uh, are in the kitchen or the mess and yeah. they're having that long ass talk with each other. Like they look over and there's these two drds that sort of look at them all kind of guilty eyed. Yes,
0: <laughs> one of them is fixing the other one, and they're kind of like spying on them almost. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like, like it's like cats who've been who've been caught drilling for gold or something. Uh, Me? Why no. would I be no, drilling? No,
0: we're just sitting here.
1: i not drilling. Like, purring, purring. I'm paraphrasing yes. Eddie Izzard there, of course. <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. nice. I liked that pair of shifty, shifty tentacled uh, D.R.D.s. They were very cute. Like the D.R.D.s, they're very
0: animated and they they have a lot of personality, despite the fact that they're being just little scuttlebots. And that's the story so
1: far, Escape. <laughs>
0: We'll see you next week with episode 111, Till the Blood Runs Clear. Yes! After creating a wormhole, Crichton's module is repaired on a nearby planet by furlough, while Voration blood trackers
1: attempt to collect the Peacekeeper bounty placed on their heads. You can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. And on SoFarscape.com, where you can subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. SoFarscape, so 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 good. good.